It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And Franserve, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at Franserve.com. Now, here's your host, certified franchise consultant, Pamela Curry. Good day. This is Pamela Curry, host of Franchise Business Radio, coming to you live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. Uh, the Franchise Business Radio show was put together to have a platform to bring business professionals together to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and those considering franchise ownership. Today, I've uh, asked John Krzyzewski to come back and be a guest on the show because uh, a very important topic for anyone that is considering franchise business ownership is the finances of that business, understanding what the return on investment is, what the financial value to you could possibly be as a business owner. So we're going to be hitting on a lot of very important topics to understand and of equal importance, a strong understanding around uh, some of the financial jargon that is thrown out there. It's important to understand financial terms, jargon as a business owner, but also as someone who's considering franchise ownership, because the franchisor is going to be sharing a lot of different financial data with you. And you want to understand how to interpret that data and will help to understand those financial terms. Uh, so with that being said, I'd like to go ahead and introduce our guest, John Kutrochki, also known as John Q. Welcome back, John. Hey, good to be here. How's everybody doing? Excellent. Thank you. John uh, is a CPA that works with restaurants, franchisors, and franchisees. The crown jewel of his services is Complete end-to-end outsourced bookkeeping, accounting, taxes, offering CFO-level financial management. He is an affordable and effective solution for busy and expansion-minded business owners. John Q is always willing to adjust his services to the meet the needs of his clients. Uh, basically, John is out there to guide you on making solid business decisions based upon good financial facts and of identifying how to use this financial data to better manage your business. Well, hearing that, I now I know why I'm so tired all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's exhausting, right? <laughs> John, I'd like to just kind of start off with some really basic terms. Uh, well, what some of us might consider basic, they all kind of sound alike, and that's why it can get a bit confusing. Uh Let's kind of kick it off. When, when we think about gross revenue versus gross net, what are we talking about there? But gross revenue is total sales. You know, the total amount of money you bring in the, in the house. Net profit is how much you're allowed to keep or how much is left to be kept at the end of the day after paying all your bills and your expenses. Okay. And, a, and another fancy, fancy acronym that is frequently put out there is EBITDA. Right. EBITDA is very simple. It's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. That's a very important tool because it analyzes how much income you're getting from the business without counting the acquisition costs. So it's sort of a normalized year cash flow. 
And let me say about total sales and net profit is um, an important thing to understand when you're dealing with franchises because the franchisors, they set their royalties based on your total sales. So they get paid off of the top line. And then the business owner gets to keep in profit off of the bottom line number, which is the which is the net income number or the cash flow number. Makes sense. And mm-hmm. and that's an important point for anyone that's selecting a franchise and trying to build out that performa. Right. Yeah, that that's correct. And you want to make sure that that while your franchisor may be encouraging to spend money on advertising, spend money on doing this and promotions and 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 the like, you you have to kind of evaluate in that term of how it affects your bottom line, right? Spending $2 to get $1 on the bottom line doesn't make sense for you, but it might make your total sales look better. I follow you. And and so is there, I guess, is there a difference between EBITDA versus net profit? Well, like I said, net profit is what you make after all the expenses are considered. EBITDA is just the profit on the operating part or the operating segment of the business that doesn't count taxes, interest, and depreciation, which are sort of acquisition costs that are spread out. So uh, a franchisor uh, will frequently tell a prospective franchisee if they have it, you know, disclosed in the FDD, obviously they have to stay true to their franchise disclosure document. Uh, but they said, well, you should be able to break even in five to six months. Generally, that's what we see. What, what are they saying exactly there? Well, what, what they, they are implying is that there's a six month ramp up to profit, profitability. And you can expect that you will be able to take no money out of the business in the first six months while you're getting your sales volume up to what it needs to be. Of course, that's also tainted by how hard you work and a lot of other factors such as location and things like that. Sure. And I think that's the reason they call it a franchise opportunity, not a franchise guarantee, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well said. Uh, yeah, no guarantees. And there are a lot of variables that... Uh, that right can create that what we call performance gap <laughs> within a franchise system. Uh, so I I know that you know the franchising crosses over so many different industries. Uh, you know most of us think of food related concepts. I know you work with a lot of restaurants, but uh, you know there are service based businesses, there are retail based businesses, there are office based businesses, and. Uh, you know, those different businesses have different levels of overhead, uh, different expenditures, different cost. Uh, I know it'd be difficult to give exact percentages because there are a lot of variables when you think about what your return on investment could be. But could you just talk to us a little bit about, you know, what you've seen as a CPA that works with a lot of different small business owners and, and franchisees across different industries, uh, you know, just some some general returns and, and expectations. And I know we can't get specific there. Yeah, we can't get specific. But one, the first thing to consider is that we generally think of expenses in terms of variable expenses. So if your your gross is 100% and your net is 15%, you've got 85%. But a lot of those expenses are fixed too. So somebody mm-hmm. will 
they come to me and say, oh, you know, my rent is too high. It's 15% of sales. And I said, well, your, your rent's fine. Your sales volume is too low. <laughs> so, you know, everything is, is, and, you know, I had somebody come to me once and said, well, I spent half of what I spent last year on advertising this year. And I said, no, you spent the exact same amount, but your volume doubled because your advertising was more effective this year. Um, so a lot of that, you know, does get skewed that way. Mm -hmm. And there are expenses, you know, in some service industries, almost all the expenses are fixed. So once you get above paying all your, all your overhead expenses, it's almost a hundred, a hundred percent profit, you know, like, uh, somebody that might be a manufacturer's rep or in the brokerage business or somebody like that mm -hmm. might, you know, they, they know that their total expenses for the year are going to be a fixed amount. So that, that profit increases exponentially once they pass that point. Um, that said, in the restaurant industry, you know, we look at 10 or 15% bottom line profit or EBITDA. Um, you know, I was talking to a service industry that was saying, um, service retail store that was saying that they're, they're looking at close to 40% on the bottom line. Wow. Um, obviously again, triggered, um, by the amount of volume that they're able to obtain. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you, you mentioned some fixed costs. Uh, let's just kind of give some examples of fixed costs. Rent. Rent. Yes. Others. Uh, um, well, even look at, when you're talking about a restaurant, you know, you think your labor is variable, but, you know, you can't have, for example, your dishwasher clock out when there are no dishes to wash, right? Yeah. Your hostess is going to be there whether she's seating one person or nobody or a hundred people. So some of those costs in your, maybe your general manager might be a, um, might be on salary rather than on variable. Mm. We would love to tell him we're going to pay him $5 for every customer that walks in the door, but you just can't do it that way. So those are, those are fixed costs that have to be overcome. Your utilities, your rent would be another one. Um, obviously franchise royalties and advertising, that's variable, uh, cause it's paid on a percentage of your, of your gross sales. Usually, and some some franchisers do have fixed, but just uh, you're right. Uh, that In is a, general terms, yeah, yeah. general mm -hmm. terms, and that's a common formula: percentage of gross sales for royalties. Uh, so, when when uh, uh, number one reason, or a key reason why many decide to become a business owner is because they do want to not only make a healthy income uh that's really i think of income as more for <laughs> your corporate corporate environment but they want to make money let's just leave it at that sure uh but there are different ways that you make money as a business owner it's not your classic w2 any longer uh it's what we call business owner benefits and when we think about business owner benefits what are we talking about there how does a franchise business owner receive benefits and get those tax advantages when a individual becomes a business owner he instantly kind of morphs into two people he <laughs> is the owner that has to be compensated and he's actually the employee in the business that has to be compensated. So he might have uh, officer salary where he takes out a salary and a compensation there, and then he gets paid on the bottom line profit. 
But in reality, there are also other certain advantages that we take maybe on the tax side. Um, and I like to divide my tax expenses into three basic categories. There's ordinary and necessary rent, utilities, repairs, salaries and wages, and those that you know would kind of easily be understood. Then we have what we call the hybrid expenses, or at least I call it that. These are expenses that we all have as individuals, but because you are self-employed, you might be able to deduct some, most, or all of them. That would be things like your car expenses, your cell phone, maybe your computers, uh, personal computers, your internet at home, and um, things of that nature that you do have, but you also use partially or mostly in your business. And then we have other tax advantage situations that that I call the third category, and they're expenses that come into play simply because they are tax deductible. The most basic would be putting in a retirement plan. Retirement plan for a self-employed guy is basically where you take money out of one pocket, you put into another, and you get a tax break for it. Obviously, you can't use that money till you retire, and but it's a tremendous tax savings that actually does not take any money. It takes money out of your uh, out of your operating capital, but it's there permanently for you. And then there there are certain conventions, business trips that may have certain pleasure aspects to it that are also included in a business. Um, if you look for a new business to buy somewhere, maybe it's in a in a prime location, or you go to a seminar or a training course, or the annual um, convention that your your industry has, and that might have certain tax deductible economic benefits to it. That makes sense. So, in that third bucket is basically expenses that we're creating uh, for ourselves. Uh, for the business. For the benefit, is, yes. Yeah, for the benefit. There, I mean, there obviously has to be some sort of uh, business benefit to it as well mm-hmm. to, to make the justification. So uh, when we think about write-offs and tax advantages, uh, frequently what someone will hear if they're looking at a franchise that has equipment – uh, and we mentioned restaurants. You know, restaurants have a lot of equipment. Or if you were to get into, let's go into some other industries. Uh, maybe you get into some kind of junk lugging uh, type <laughs> franchise, right? You're picking it. You're picking up junk. You know, you've got special equipment there: trucks, vehicles, uh, maybe water or store damage restoration. Again, that requires specific equipment. Correct. Uh, and we hear about the, uh, I think it's the 179.org. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this equipment write-off. What's the value of that? How does that work? Uh, essentially, what you are able to do with a certain amount of equipment is treat it as an expense rather than depreciate it over over its useful life. In the normal course of business, we depreciate most equipment over five or seven years. Um, with the Section 179 deduction, we can take that all at one time. So let's say, for example, your drunk junk hauling company, let's say it buys two trucks that are $60,000 each on December 31st. We can expense the entire $120,000 and possibly finance that over five years. You get a huge tax write-off this year, 
but you're not actually laying out the cash until, you know, the next five years. So it's a very good way to catch up on your cash flow there. Mm, yeah. So there's a real strategy that comes with this. Absolutely. Uh, the reverse of that strategy yeah. is that as your business continues to grow and develop, we're going to hope that we're in increasingly higher tax brackets as, as things go on. So it might be more efficient to use use deductions in years where your tax rate is going to be the highest. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. What about the franchise fee? Is, uh, is that something you're able to write off? Yes. Well, that is, again, supposed to be amortized over the term of the franchise fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some franchisors break out the franchise fee. They break out a territory fee. Would a territory fee be something that could be written off like a franchise fee and amortized over the term? Well, yeah, and and that can be kind of treated as a deposit where you you buy you pay for your franchise fee, but you also pay the rights to add additional stores, mm-hmm. and so that would be amortized over the the opportunity period um, again. And then as soon as you, I guess, decide you're not going to do it, you can write it off completely at that time. But we're hoping that you go from one unit to five units to more and you build your legacy. So we're hoping that doesn't happen. Yeah. And you and I've had discussions about this, building out that business portfolio mm-hmm. and how do you leverage that first unit to get to that second unit? Talk to us about that. The development, I call it a development matrix, can be a, a very, very complex thing because it, it, it is going to maybe on some level, if you're working for someone else and you're building this business on the side, maybe you're going to build a model and say, by the time I have three units up and running, I'll be able to leave my job and work at it full time and then get get higher and higher and and then continue to grow. Um, You know, there's only one of you. (laughs) There's only so far you can stretch yourself out. And a lot of that goes to the skills and the abilities of the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people are very hands-on by nature and some people uh, know how to set and forget, right? (laughs) Um, So understanding what the working capital requirements are and how much easier it is to obtain financing for your second, third, and fourth unit is another way to to consider that and say once I have proof of concept both on the franchise level and on my individual level, then we should be able to bank and leverage leverage the expansion. You know, it's interesting. You and I were talking earlier. You've got you know, there's different types of ownerships. You've got your active owner operator. You have your semi absentee. And you know, very often you start off uh, having that full-time job and trying to figure out that transition strategy. But certain franchisors do require you to be an active owner-operator out of the gates. And uh, that means that there's going to be some time before you do hit that break-even, before you do start cash flowing. But you, as that new business owner, you still need to pay the bills. Uh any any advice, suggestions on how to manage that, I guess, ramp up effort? One of the 
saddest things that I see is somebody that starts a business, franchise or not, that puts every dime into getting the door opened and business started with the full expectation that they are going to be profitable from the first day, not only to meet the obligations of the business, but to live out of. And I think those people are the ones that Mm -hmm. come in with unrealistic expectations. Um, I would say if, if you can obtain your initial financing for the business to, to last in a period of time that's equal to what your your franchise disclosure document says you can expect, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. six months, and then realize that you're going to be negative cash flow in that business for six months to the tune of $50,000, and you got to start with that much in the bank. Then the whole other equation is what your personal finances look like. Mm-hmm. And say, all right, if I'm not going to be able to draw money out for the first six months, and then after the six months, it'll slowly ramp up, and it'll really be month 18 where I'm taking out that salary that I know that I need to survive on. Yep. Then you have to have that money in in reserve in advance. So having, I think the, the, the whole thing is about planning, realistic expectations, and understanding what you think is going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are kind of two ways you can ramp up, right? You can kind of go for a soft opening and let your reputation gradually grow the business, or you can invest a lot in advertising or marketing to try to get um, a lot of income in more quickly. And then based on what your product or service is, we'll determine which, which extreme you should go or somewhere in the middle. Yeah, great advice. Uh, the, the, I mean, and you, most people usually hear if you're underfunded, right? That's one of the greatest reasons behind the failure of a business. So proper planning and uh, understanding not only the investment on the business side, but your personal expenses while you're ramping up that business. You know what? It And it's very difficult to go in and see a guy that has a grand opening and you go in and you shake his hand and you say, hi, I'm an accountant. I can help you increase your level of financial savvy. And then they say, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I got it. I get it. I understand. And then the next time you drive by that street, you see a for rent sign on his front door. Mm. And, um, you know, maybe I didn't do, do a good enough job explaining him how how important it is and how much knowledge that you do need to have and what your expectations need to be. There's a lot of different hats you have to wear as a business owner. Right. And uh, having self-awareness of what you should be outsourcing. Right. uh, And where you should put in your your time and your energy based upon your skill set. I think that's that's a big piece of being a solid business owner. Well, and that, again, I think we've talked about it a lot before, choosing a franchise that is good at what you're bad at (laughs) and you're good at what they're bad at is a good marriage so where you complement each other. You know, if you consider yourself a marketing guy, you don't need a... 
you don't need a franchise necessarily that does all the marketing for you or has such a good reputation that marketing is less. You know, if you're an operations guy, maybe you need somebody that'll help you drive customers in the door because you know once they get there, you're going to take care of them properly. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's a valuable consideration to make before you make a franchise decision. Absolutely. Uh, What about once you have made that decision, Mm -hmm. you are now a franchisee, you're that small business owner, how do I get myself set up? I've got employees, I've got, I mean, again, there's the whole financial, the bookkeeping, uh, and this is what you do. So can you give us some 101 around what kind of infrastructure we need to put in place as a business owner? And thinking of it as kind of a pie chart, and you say, well, you know, you can't spend money for a full-time marketing guy, a CEO or a CMO or a COO and a CFO. You know, what we need to do in small business is buy pieces of that. Mm. So rather than buy a, a, rather than pay a high salary chief marketing officer, maybe you outsource your marketing or that's what you do yourself or you do your operations yourself and you let somebody else market. What we like to do is we like to come in and help you on the side of your accounting and your bookkeeping and your financial management, making sure you get those numbers, but turning those numbers back into tools to help you understand your business. Again, with looking at uh, percentages, looking at what you're doing relative to other people, looking at what you can be doing and understanding what your cash flow requirements are and having people in those industries or in those specializations that can help you get where you want to be because very, very few people are good at everything. Right. And it's the people that think they're good at everything are the ones that have that for rent sign out in six months. <laughs> very, very well said. There's a lot of self-awareness that that, that goes along with this. Right. It, what's the cliche? It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love your cliches. <laughs> so, uh, John, any... Uh, I mean, any other advice, thoughts that you would give to a future prospective franchisee? Well, one of, one of the things we didn't discuss that maybe we need to is that each business model has different sales cycles. And by sales cycles, I mean... Some businesses have spikes in income and they might have dry periods. You know, a retail place might be a lot more consistent where you kind of know what your gross revenue is going to be every month. And then other ones like service businesses, you know, you don't necessarily know who's going to be knocking on the door for, for anything at any one given month. Now you had talked about, and to change the subject completely, you had talked about net income. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about the difference between net income and cash flow. Excellent. Obviously, we want a business that has good net income, that has a good profit. But we always want to make sure that the cash is there too. There are certain businesses 
where you might be get get paid on a very delayed basis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we made a lot of profit this month, but we're not getting paid for that for one month, two months, three months down the road. Mm-hmm. You're paying your employees every week or every other week. How are you going to survive till that check finally comes in? Mm-hmm. Um, and how are we going to plan that? And how are we going to manage that? And having a bank or financial institution of some sort that understands your situation, that's, that that's going to help you get over those humps is a really good thing. I mean, I've talked to, you know, subcontractors that don't get paid until the project is completely finished. It might be a year, two years after the project is done mm-hmm. that they're paid their retainage or their final their final installment. Mm-hmm. And the question is, can you survive until that happens? And what we like to say is sometimes the terms of the deal are better than the profitability of the deal. <laughs> because you 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 won't survive till they actually turn around and and cut you your check, send you your payment. Yep, and to create that financial margin, right? To be able to you know to I guess survive those dry periods is really important because that also has not only a financial impact but it has a, an emotional and a mental impact. So it can really impact your mindset right. as a business owner. That, that that's so true, and it's sometimes you know I'll I'll be working late at night in the office, and I'll get calls from clients, and they'll they'll say, "What are you doing at the office so late?" <laughs> and you know what I tell them is, "I'm doing the same thing you're doing. I'm working on and managing my business." And we're here when we need to be here, and we're doing what we need to do, and we're taking care. And a lot of it can be stressful because if you are a small business owner, quite often you can be between a rock and a hard place where your supplier might be a big company and your ultimate customer is a big company and they have kind of pinched you in the middle. Mm -hmm. And understanding you can't dictate terms on this side and you can't dictate terms on that side. So we do have that potential negative float that we have to contend with. And um, and and obviously the the, the ability to pivot and manage this and uh, we we both are big believers in being business owners. We we both have chosen uh, this uh, path for ourselves, and I I obviously help those that want to move into franchise business ownership. And I and I but I always share with them it's not less work; it's just different because it's more rewarding because you're building something for yourself and it's a it, there's a different mindset that go, does go around that but there are also different stresses that go with it too no i did have one i asked one guy once i said why did you decide to buy a franchise restaurant and he said i was tired of working so hard <laughs> right, <laughs> right? yeah yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be a 90-day wonder <laughs> <laughs> oh so i mean it just kind of in closing here uh you know, for for those, I mean, this is the dream, right? This is the dream to be a business owner, to have control over your destiny. If you're going to work hard to reap the rewards uh, of of building something, uh, what what advice would you give to someone to help them fulfill that dream? I mean, because it is you know the American dream. Give me give me a second. I'll make up another cliche. <laughs> um, well, let's say your dream is to sail around the world. And you don't have a roadmap or you don't have a chart mm-hmm. and you don't have any navigation equipment. 
you know, you're probably not going to make it all the way around the world. And what I want to be is your financial roadmap. And I want to chart your financials and let you know you can get from here to here. But this has to occur. Mm -hmm. And we have to define some of these variables. Well said. Uh, Plan it. You know, don't... uh Put get your navigator in place, <laughs> right? So, John, if one, uh, someone wanted to reach out to you to get your advice, uh, especially as a small business owner, putting uh, the needed, as you 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 said, putting you know taking those financial facts, identifying how to use that data to better manage their business. How would they go about contacting you? Um, usually, pretty easy to find. You know, uh, my office number is 770-395-0223. I am at cfoatl.com on the internet. I'm in LinkedIn. My cell phone number is 770-652-7000. So if you're laying awake at 4 o'clock in the morning worried about your business, (laughs) be sure to call my cell. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much, John. You're a wealth of information. And, uh, you know, the uh, the accounting hat is not an easy one to wear, financial and accounting. So I, we, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with our listeners. It's tremendously rewarding when we can help people get where they, where they want to go financially. And their dream does not turn into a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Well, thanks again. And, and again, for, for those that are considering franchise ownership and really trying to identify the needed resources to be effective in selecting that franchise and doing their proper due diligence, um, I would love to be a resource for you on that level as a franchise consultant. I do help bring into scope what's important to you in a business, help align you with the right franchise, and of course, provide you with tools to help you be effective in doing your due diligence. Um, very, goal, very, very important to have somebody important. on your side picking and helping you make the right choices with the right information. Yeah. Goal is to make an educated and informed decision. Thanks again to our listeners and our sponsors. This is Pamela Curry, host of Franchise Business Radio. If you need to reach me, I can be contacted at 847-970-8765. Signing off. Thank you again for joining Pamela Curry and her guests for the Franchise Business Radio Show, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at FranServe.com. Use the social media links here to share today's show and check out more episodes at FranchiseBusinessRadio.com. Dot com.